The following has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and we'll go ahead and pass the buckets receiving the tithe and offering. We're also picking up the connection cards. Thank you for filling those out each week. Uh, we have a few people that they like to write things like Mickey Mouse. So it's kind of cool that Mickey Mouse is here occasionally and Donald Duck and different people like that. But um, I probably just opened Pandora's box to everyone get very creative on filling out their connection card. But we, we love praying over those things. We like having a record of your visit. It kind of helps us pastor you a little bit more effectively. Also on the back, you can uh, list out prayer requests. You can list out um, praise reports. We love hearing what God's doing in your life. Sometimes God's doing things in our midst, and we don't get to hear about it, so we don't get to share it, and so people don't get to celebrate it. And sometimes when you're walking through something, still believing God for something, until that thing shows up, it's, it's nice to hear other stories of faith uh, of things happening that really does encourage you and it motivates you. Hey, also Easter's coming up. I want to ask you to be thinking, who are you thinking about inviting? You got somebody on your mind, a neighbor, a coworker? Again, as they said, 90% of the people on Easter Sunday especially will go if someone will just invite them. We want to encourage you to do that. We're also egging the city. That doesn't mean we're throwing rocks at buildings of people we do not like. But we are everyone giving generously. When you um, give a generous tip to your waiter or waitress, just hand them a card. When you do something kind for a neighbor, just do that. It's a great way for us to really show the love and goodness of our loving God. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's stand up. One of the things I want to encourage you, just before we dive into the message, this is the second message already of the three messages that I'm going to be preaching today. The the second message is about us speaking life over our situations. We talk about this a lot because it's easy for us to not speak life. And listen, I know many of you in your lives, you have mountains talking to you right now. You have some situations that you're faced with, there's some things that you're dealing with, and you're not sure exactly how this mountain is going to be removed from you. Listen, you've been praying about it, that's awesome, keep praying about it, but it's time to start speaking to your mountain. That's what Jesus said in Mark 11. He said that when you pray, believe that you will receive what you say, that you begin to speak to the mountain and you begin to say, be uprooted and be cast into the sea. Listen, keep praying, but you need to start speaking and declaring the promises of God over your life. And if you will start speaking to those mountains, you'll find that they'll get uprooted. Because listen, if you're not speaking to your mountains, your mountains will be speaking to you. They'll be speaking all day long, all week long, saying, you know what, you're not going to make it. You're not going to overcome. The moment you hear it speaking to you and it's contradicting what the Word of God says, you've got to start speaking life over it. Amen? And I'm telling you, things are going to supernaturally change. It's the most amazing thing in the world, just how much power our tongues have. Amen? So let's make these declarations over our life. God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth, and God's word is alive and active in me. Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 again. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. Last week we began looking at this verse in Joshua 1 where God is talking to Joshua who is the new leader of Israel. Now anytime you are a new leader in an area, in a business, in a department in your business, whatever it is, it's a little intimidating. Especially if you followed a good leader. Because you're probably going to have some people that you're leading that are going to say, that's not how we did it before. 
You know how they did it? This was awesome. And, and then when you make mistakes, they're going to be the people there going to be reminding you, hey, this person never missed the mark. What's going on? So it's a little bit intimidating. God is speaking to Joshua and he is reassuring him. It's part of the character and nature of our God that he is constantly speaking to us. He's constantly reassuring us. Sometimes we, we can't hear our voice, but it's because, you remember the old radio dials that used to crank and turn to get the frequency in? Some of you digital age kids go, what? But for those of us that have been around a while, those radio frequencies, you can have it off a little bit, or you can be completely off, and all you heard was, you can get it just off a little bit, and you can kind of hear it, but man, if you'll lock into God, God is reassuring you. God is talking to you about how much he loves you. And he's letting Joshua know about the promised land that the children of Israel are about ready to inherit. And God is sharing with them all the promises that he has for them. And he's talking about the geographic boundaries that they're about ready to go in and possess. God is being very specific with them. He's talking about every place that they're going to set their feet. He's already given it to them. It's an amazing thing to understand that in your destiny, as you're walking things out, God has already given you your next steps. You just have to walk into the next steps that he has for you. He's talking about how no one will be able to stand up against them all the days of their life. It's an amazing promise. Listen, he didn't say that no one would come against them. He said that no one would be able to stand against them all the days of their life. So just so you know, as Jesus told us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So God is giving Joshua these promises and to the children of Israel. And then he makes this promise, especially to Joshua, in verse 5, and he says this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. See, if you're Joshua, again, those are some pretty exciting words because God did some pretty amazing things through Moses. Some extraordinary, out-of-the-box, things that had never been done before with Moses. And if you're the new leader, that's some good news. And yet, God was, was not wanting Joshua to be Moses. He said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will be with you the same way that I was with Moses, but you are not to be Moses. See, Joshua had to discover his own uniqueness. Do you realize today that God did not make another you, that you are unique? Some of you look at that and you go, oh, thank God he didn't. But I'm telling you, you're wonderful. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're amazing. You're phenomenal. There's not another one of you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're created in the image of God today. You are. Well, Pastor Richie, no, 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 I'm talking about you today. Joshua had to discover his own uniqueness in order to accomplish his own unique purpose. Because you see, while each and every one of us are unique in who we are, we actually all have a unique purpose in life. So what we discovered about our lives is that as children of God, that we, all are, we are all uniquely the same. I said this last week, but I want to say it again. I know that sounds like an oxymoron. How can we be uniquely the same? Because unique means it's one of a kind, and the same means it's just like everyone else. See, as children of God, we have, all have, the DNA of our Heavenly Father in us. When you became born again, the Bible says that you became a brand new creation. God has not been taking years fixing things on you. The moment you gave your life to Christ, the instant 
You gave your life to Christ. The old man died. The new man is alive. You're a brand new creation today. We have the DNA of the Father. Because of Jesus' finished work of the cross, every one of us as children of God are blessed by God. But each one of us has a unique call upon our lives. We're gifted at doing different things. Even when you find somebody that has a similar gift to you, their gift mix is different than yours. We all have these different giftings. That's why I say again that we are all uniquely the same. So God is saying to Joshua the same thing that he's saying to you and I today. In fact, you find it throughout the word of God that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. In Matthew 28, he says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. But while God is with us, just like he was with Moses, he will not do with us just like he did with Moses. God wants us to be who he created us to be. God wants you to be who he created you to be. See, sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to fix other people in our lives. If you've gotten married, you may have discovered this. As you got married, there were things about your spouse that began to challenge your belief system. Challenge the way you felt and operated in love. There were certain challenges about the way they acted, the fact that they piled their clothes, the fact that they were too neat, the fact that they liked to talk all the time, the fact that they never talked. And so we spend a lot of time trying to change people rather than celebrating who they are. God wants you to be who he's created you to be. Now that doesn't mean that when you violate the word of God, you go, well, this is just who I am. That's not who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, obedience to the word of God is already in you. Love is already in you. Joy is already in you. Peace is already in you. Patience is already in you. Long-suffering is already in you. Goodness is in you. Kindness is in you. The spirit of the living God is in you. That's who you be. Amen? That is who you be. And we got to start acting like who we be. Each one of us are unique. See, the promise is not a duplicate copy. It's a unique promise given by the same God. So we keep the promise of his presence, but we have to be willing to let go of how God did it in the past. That's where we've missed it sometimes as a church. God did something amazing in a certain way in the past, and we've held on to that rather than adapting and changing with the times. But we also have to be willing to let go of what it is that we had in mind of how God is going to do it. Because if we don't, we'll end up thinking that we're the Holy Spirit and that we are there to step in and change someone. Preach it, Richie. All right? The only thing that is going to be the same is that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will be with you like I was to the per- with the person that inspired you. I will be with you like I was with the person that mentored you. It's great to have people pouring into your lives, but you are not to try and be them. God is saying that you are all uniquely the same. He's saying, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. But God says to Joshua, Joshua, don't try to be Moses. Joshua, be yourself. This can be a challenge for us. When we planted this church, I had never been a senior pastor before. And as people came in, they began sharing with me what they thought a senior pastor should be like and do. And so in order to learn how to be a senior pastor, I thought I was supposed to do all of those things. And I became a schizophrenic pastor. 
I began doing things that were so out of me, me, who I am, what God created me to be. And it wasn't until I got comfortable with who I was that I got comfortable with what God had called me to be. So God's telling Joshua, Joshua, be yourself. He says, Joshua, if you'll be who you are, I'll be who I am. Just so you know, God is the great I am. He's not the great I was or the great I will be. He's the great I am, meaning he is ever present in our lives today. In this moment, he knew this unique experience of life you are going to be experiencing right now, and he is the great I am. You just be you. So the promise is, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. But aren't you glad that God's promises never stop with just one little section? He goes on to say, and he says this, that I will not leave you nor forsake you. And and I want to pick up in this verse because we see that God carries on the promise and says to us, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I, I will not leave you means that you won't be out there by yourself. When you're going through the storms of life, when you're going through some trials and some challenges where you feel all alone, God's saying, I'm with you. My presence is with you. And see, when we read this, I will not leave you nor forsake you, it can be confusing as to why it appears that God seems to be saying the same thing. When we read a promise like, I will not leave you nor forsake you, it sounds like the same thing. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Right? Sounds the same. So why did God say, I will not leave you nor forsake you? Because when you study it out, to leave somebody is to remove your presence from them, but to forsake them is to emotionally abandon them. See, you can forsake somebody that you didn't leave. That's a whole message in and of itself. It might be an entire series. You can forsake somebody that you didn't leave. You can emotionally abandon someone that you still come home to. Now today, some of you want to say amen, but you're sitting next to the person, so you're going to just be quiet. Sit there and just enjoy the moment. God says this, I created you with a unique purpose and destiny in mind. And I don't leave you, and I don't forsake you, even when you fail. I don't leave, meaning I don't withdraw my presence from you, because that's what I was taught growing up, that the moment I sinned, God withdrew his presence from me, and that's why I felt so bad in my sin. No, the reason why I feel so bad in my sin is because I'm violating who I am. And when I'm acting contrary to who I am, it creates all kinds of confusion and turmoil in my life. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to remove his presence from us. And he's not going to forsake us, meaning emotionally abandoned. Because some of you know that God's still there, but God's still there looking at you like this. Seriously, again, how many times do we have to talk about this? How many times do you have to hear Pastor Richie say this and you're still there? What's going on? We think he's emotionally left the love that he has for us. That he's just walked away and said, look, I I can't fix you. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. See, it's one of the reasons why our view or perspective of God sometimes gets a little skewed and we have a hard time understanding a loving heavenly father because maybe there was an authority figure in our life when we was gro- that when we were growing up that, that didn't respond quite right. Maybe, maybe they abandoned us. See, I, I believe today, and I feel I'm very safe to say that there were some of you today that you were abandoned by a, a father or an authority figure in your life. 
And, and perhaps when they left, as they were leaving, they, they blamed someone. They said, I'm leaving because of your mother. I'm leaving because of your father. Or maybe they blamed you. Or, or maybe you just blame yourself for them leaving. You weren't sure why they left, but they left, and so you blame yourself. See, others, even though some fathers left, there were other fathers that stayed, but because of disappointments in their life, they emotionally checked out. They emotionally forsook everyone. But here's the promise from our loving Heavenly Father to you and I, is that he would not leave us nor forsake us. He doesn't withdraw his presence from us nor his emotions from us. See, God desires you to succeed. His destiny for your life is a successful destiny. There's an amazing promised land that when you get to your promised land that God has for your unique destiny, you're going to love hanging out in your promised land. And part of our promised land we discover all along the way. He wants you to succeed. So he says, I won't leave you nor forsake you. He won't emotionally abandon you just because you missed the mark or just because you think you've disappointed him so much that he is no longer going to be able to connect with you. Listen, for God to be disappointed with you, you would have had to have missed an appointment. Do you realize that from the beginning of your life all the way till the rapture takes place, praise God, that's what I'm believing for, or unless you die and pass from this life, God knows everything about you. There's not anything that ever surprises him, nothing that ever takes him off guard, nothing that he ever says, wow, I was going to bless you, but because you did this, I can't bless you, because it never surprised him. You've never missed an appointment. You may have missed the mark, but you've never missed an appointment with God. See, in spite of the fact that he knows this coming week you're going to make some mistakes, amen, he still decided ahead of time that he's going to bless you. He's already made a decision that he's going to bless you. He's, he's already made a decision that he loves you with an everlasting love. He's already made a decision that he's already forgiven you. He's already made a decision that he cares for you beyond anything that you could ever understand how a God that is perfect could care for us like that. Listen, and if you'll learn how to keep your heart focused on him, or if you'll turn your heart back to him when you fail, what that means is you repent. You don't, we don't justify our wrong behavior and say, this doesn't matter because I'm under grace, because it does. Again, it doesn't affect God's love for you, but it affects you, it affects the circumstances around you, and all repentance is, it means I change my mind. I'm operating in a way that says, that's not who I am. I should not be saying that, doing that, that's not who I am. I'm repenting, changing my mind about that behavior. God will take even what the enemy meant for evil and he'll use it to shape your unique destiny. And he'll make every one of us uniquely the same. So God's promise to us is that he would be with us just like he was with Moses. But we are not to try and be Moses. We are not to try to be the people in our lives that have poured into our lives. And when he said that he would be with us, he meant it. He wasn't joking around. God, God doesn't joke around. He's serious about this. He, he meant it. That's why he goes on to say that he will not leave us nor forsake us. That means that God's presence is continually with us. Pastor Richie, there are a lot of times I don't feel his presence. It doesn't matter whether you feel it or not. His presence is with you. 
It's with you all the time. It's with you in your best times. It's with you in your worst times. It's when you feel like more than a conqueror, and it's feel like it's, he's with you. When you feel like you're being conquered, his unique presence is always with you. But what we need to discover is the uniqueness of who God created us to be. We're not all cookie cutters and all doing exactly the same thing. We need to discover the uniqueness of who God created us to be. Because while the, the same presence of God is with all of us, how his presence manifests is unique to us. The path that he puts us on is unique to us. Again, it's why we are all uniquely the same. But you see, we open the door to doubt when we begin questioning God about the path that we're walking on that our friends didn't have to walk on. And if we're not careful, we can begin looking around and begin to wonder, God, am I the only one that's going to have to do this? You remember when you ask your kid to do something when they were growing up? Am I the only one that's going to have to do this? We sometimes wonder that. God, have you left me? God, have you forsaken me? Why am I, the, why am I on this path? When my friends, they're not. They're on the blessed path. Best blessed path, and I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death right now. God, have you forsaken me? Have you left me? See, others don't have to walk on your path to get to their destiny. Though the same God is with each child, each child has a different path. Now, I'm not talking about multiple ways to get to God. Jesus said, I am the way. But you have a unique calling on your life. So there's a unique path that we have towards the calling that's on our lives. So they have to walk on the path that God has placed before them to get to their destiny, to get to their promised land. Let me ask you a question. Can we become established in the goodness of God to trust him about the path we're on? Let me say that again so it's not rhetorical. If you could answer it out loud, that'd be awesome. Can we become established in the goodness of God to trust him with the path that we're on? To know that he's promised you and I to never leave us nor forsake us. Because the promise that God gives to you for your promised land is that every place you set your feet, he's given you that land. If you're on your path that when you get into a new land, God's given you the land. And even though your battle may look a little bit different than other people's battle, you're already victorious because Christ has fought and won. He said, it is finished. And when he said it was finished, he meant it was finished. We're not ever fighting for victory. We're fighting from a position of victory because there is an enemy, a devil that's coming to kill, steal, and to destroy. And the promise that we see in his word is that no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Again, it doesn't mean that people aren't going to come against you, but no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Isn't that good news? Man, it's so exciting to understand how good our God is. But, Pastor Richie, I really want to believe this. I really want to receive this in my life. How do I do that? I believe there's lots of you that are saying that today. First thing is you've got to live the life of faith. Christianity is not the life of how I feel. It's the life of faith. And I live the life of faith by placing my faith and trust in Jesus. I just trust Jesus. I just trust him. I just make a choice to say, I believe and I trust Jesus. Storms come in my life, 
I believe and I trust you, Jesus. A difficult challenge comes into my life. Lord, I believe and trust in Jesus. I just simply place my faith and trust in Jesus. To be, I become confident in the word and in the character of God. I know that the word of God is true. I know about the goodness of my God. And because I know my God is good, even when I'm asking him for something that he closes the door on, I know that that's the very best thing for me. That's what faith is. Here's how the Bible describes it in Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, sometimes we have a, a bit of a problem with this issue of hope because we think of hope as almost a wish. God, I'm praying for this and I'm, and I'm hoping that you're going to do it. I'm really not sure, but I'm really hoping that you'll do it. But see, Bible hope is a confident expectation. When my hope is in the Lord, I have a confident expectation in the Lord. It's a confident expectation of good because it's in the Lord. So hope is not wishy-washy, oh, I'm, I'm hoping God. It's a confident expectation of good. It means that I know in my knower what it is about God's word, what it says about his character, because I've read the word, I've studied the word, I've meditated the word, I've listened to the word, I've spoken the word, therefore I know the word, therefore I believe the word. I know it in my knower. I just know it, God, that you said this, I believe your promises. And now because I know who my God is, I know that he's a God of goodness and a God of grace, therefore I place my trust and confidence in him. Are y'all picking this up today? I'm all in with him. See, a, a lot of times it's like if, if we were to look at life like poker chips, and I know a lot of you can really relate to this, we, we kind of slide in, you know, uh, two $5 chips. Okay, God, I, I'm, I'm in with you. What, what God's really wanting us to do is grab all of those things and slide them all in and go, God, I'm all in with you. There is no plan B in my life. God, I'm, I'm not looking for something to happen another way. God, my confidence, my trust is in you, period. You, you ever had the devil come and, and begin to say, what if this Jesus thing isn't real? It's constant accusation. We've got to say, oh, no, no, I know, I know, I know, I know it's real. I know in my knower. I know how good my God is. I know that he's a God of grace. That's what faith is. It's the substance of my confident expectation of good. Listen to that again. It's the substance of my confident expectation of good. Even before the thing that I'm believing for shows up. It's when I know in my knower that God's word is going to happen even before the physical evidence of his word shows up. It's an unshakable confidence that because God loves me and all the promises in his word are for me, it, this thing is settled in my heart. I know in my knower that beyond any of shadow of doubt, what God says will happen will happen. Let me show you what I mean. Hopefully this will, will be a, a good illustration for you. Um, let me find somebody, uh, Glenn. All right, Glenn, can you, would you mind, you have your cell phone with you? Okay, do you mind writing your number down? I'd have you say it out loud, but this is going to be a podcast, possibly going all over the country, and I don't want people calling you, saying, hey, Glenn, what's up? I heard your name on the podcast. Awesome. Will you write down your number for us? Do you mind me, do you mind me doing this, Glenn? Okay. Since he was shaking his head no when I was walking up, I wanted to go ahead and ask him and put him on the spot. Okay. Okay, so I'll just say the last four numbers. Uh, you wrote down 6479. Are you sure? 
Because I was thinking it was 6475. Are you sure? That, that doesn't look right. It's 6479. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 6475 because I think I've dialed that number before and that was you. 6479? Are you positive about that? You know beyond any shadow of a doubt, that's what faith is. Because he's written down his number, because he's given his number to other people, because he's put it on applications, because he's set his number over and over again, it doesn't matter what I say trying to talk him out of his number. He knows in his knower, that's my number. That's my number. You're, you're not going to move me off this. I don't care if culturally what you're saying about my number is not popular. I know in my knower the number that God has for me. I know what his word says. I know what his promise says. So I can rest totally confident that you're not going to talk me out of it. Because the enemy is constantly trying to talk you out of it. Is that your number? Are you sure that's your number? Do you know that's your number? I know that you've been studying that number and you've been meditating on that number, but you really believe that number? You got to know in your knower. It's just resolved. Man, I'm asking him in front of a lot of people. Now, what would be easy is going, oh, Pastor Richie, you might be right. We're good friends, so yeah, if you think that's the number, that's right, right? He knows in his knower he's not going to be moved from it. Let me step out in faith. See, before confidence is established in a thing, you have to act upon what you know. I, I wish that you could be, you could wait until you had full revelation on the promise of God, and then you could step into it. But the problem is, is that if you wait till that happens, chances are you're never going to get the revelation in the first place. Because again, Peter had to trust God, had to believe in the goodness of God to step out of the boat to be able to walk on water. So you got to start acting upon what you know. See, see, I have a choice right now. In, in this relationship I have with Glenn and his number, I know this may sound a little silly, but hopefully, again, you're kind of making the connection. See, I could sit here and say, you know, I don't really believe that number's true. I mean, I, I know he's, he's pretty confident about it, but I don't know that it's really true. I don't know if I really believe that because I've tried that before. I've tried calling a number that was given to me, and instead of getting that good-looking person that I thought I was getting it from, I got the post office, right? Welcome to the dating scene, wrong number, right? Some of y'all have been married so long, you're going to say, what? Yeah. Still happens occasionally, all right? So what happens is I think it won't work. Man, I prayed about this before. It didn't work the way that I thought it would. It didn't work how it happened in the past, so I'm not really sure that I want to call the number, or I can make a choice to call the number. You got your phone on? Glenn, you mind turning your phone on? We're going to take a chance here today. Whoops. Yeah, I'm dialing the wrong number already. And yes, you can answer it whenever it comes up. There it goes. Hey, Glenn, how you doing, man? Good. Hey, I took a risk and we made a connection. Sorry this is ringing so much. All right, we'll see you later. Thanks, Glenn. Sometimes we got to step out in faith. Man, is, is that really the right number? Is that promise really true? That's not the way that it worked before. I tried it, didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to work out. Therefore, God, I don't know if I really trust you. 
We've got to step out in faith. See, your level of faith is revealed by the revelation, the confidence that you have in God's love for you and your belief in God's promises for you. Because it's easy to say, yeah, I, I believe God loves me. I believe his promises. Absolutely, yeah, I believe that. But faith is the indicator in our lives that when we get it into our knower, that we know that we know that we know my God is good. I don't care what the economy is doing. I don't care what ISIS is doing. I don't care what political figures are doing. I know that my God is good. And I can rest in that. I can be okay in that. Because my God has promised to what? To never leave me nor forsake me. So he's going to be with me all the way. He's going to be with me in every situation. You might want to write this down. And I'm going to ask the guys if you'd just leave it up there for just a moment. But something I wanted, wanted you to really grasp today. The way you see Jesus... The revelation that you have of him will not affect God's acceptance of you. If you see Jesus as a taker, you see Jesus as not loving, it's not going to affect his acceptance of you. But it will affect your acceptance of what God has for you and how you receive from him. It's not going to affect his love for you, but it is going to affect the way that you can receive from him. See, the promise that God gives us is that his presence will be with us. That he will not leave us nor forsake us. It's a powerful promise. And no matter where you set your feet, no matter where you walk or where you go, whether it's up hills or down into some valleys, whether it's during times that are lean or in times of plenty, in times when you feel great or times that you don't feel as good, God says to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. People may leave you. Friends may leave you. Jobs may leave you, opportunities may leave you, but God says, I will be with you every step of the way. Every destiny step you're taking towards your promised land, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In good times, in bad times, he's going to never leave you nor forsake you. It's amazing. But listen, it's got to move from here to here. And honestly, it's got to move from here to to hear, to hear. So now that we know this, we've got to learn how to exercise our faith. Because if you don't exercise something, I've discovered things don't get stronger. Things don't get better. Things don't work out like you had kind of envisioned in your mind. You've got to exercise it. So we begin moving in the direction of the promise. We begin to understand and we take hold of the promises in our life. And we begin to say, I'm going to choose that. I'm going to believe that. I felt forever like that wasn't the right thing. But God, I'm going to move towards this thing in my life. How do I do that? Well, 2 Corinthians 4 says this. And since we have that same spirit of faith, talking about the faith of God, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. God gave us the best example when he created the world. He spoke the world into existence. The tongue has the power of life and death. We start declaring it and we start expecting it. We don't just declare it, we expect it. Expect it. Some of you have been speaking it, but you have not been expecting it. I find this in my life. My son is about ready to get married in about three months, and his, he and his fiance have been praying about a house. They've been praying, you know, God, we'd, we'd love to have a house. And so every week on the prayer request, I've seen that. Brianna has been writing down, we're believing God for a house. Now, 
I believe, and so I spoke that prayer with them, but honestly, my expectation was, yeah, probably not. Honestly, it, I don't know that that's going to happen, kind of wanting to manage their expectations or my expectations. But see, while I, while I was okay with speaking it, I wasn't expecting it. But Richie and Brianna, they were not only just speaking it, they were expecting it. So this past week, they made an offer on a house. And this house was a very cute house that had actually dropped down. They'd reduced the price, and it ended up getting into their price range. And so they made an offer on the house, kind of did a lower offer like you do, preparing for some negotiation, asked for all the closing costs, and the people accepted the offer, as is. Listen, that didn't happen to them because they're my children. It happened to them because they're God's children. And God wants us to expect some. You know what? You know what we know with God? If God said no to that house, we would have to go, God, thank you. That thing could have been a money pit, right? Or that thing could have been the wrong thing for me. So God, I just trust you. But we speak it and we expect it. That's the, that's the part of faith that, that is hope. You have a confident expectation. Listen, some of you started speaking it. Are you expecting it? Are you expecting that God do extraordinary things? Do you wake up in the morning going, man, I can't wait to get up today because I believe God's going to do something extraordinary? Or do you get up and just say, oh, here we go, another day, I'm going to, another dollar. Amen? Do you jump up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord? Or do you jump up in the morning saying, good Lord, it's morning? (laughs) Start expecting it. Listen, don't let the mountains in your life keep talking to you. Listen, if you don't speak to your mountains, your mountains will speak to you. They'll speak to you all day long, all week long, all month long. And what will happen is before you know it, you'll still be operating in faith, but your faith will be in the mountain and not in God. I'm trusting, I believe in my problem or my situation more than I believe in God. God's promised us in his word that he would never leave us nor forsake us. It's the most amazing thing in the world to understand that when we are flat on our face and blown it once again, God says, man, I'm right here with you. It's okay. It's okay. Let's, let's repent. Let's change our mind about this behavior. This is not putting you in a good spot. And I love you and I'm for you and I'm still here. It's amazing. I want to pray over you. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.